Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunland Preview Podcast. We are slightly delayed this week as I have been on my holidays and out of the continent. But Sunland's players may feel very much the same way as we make the long trip to Plymouth Argyle. We've just got to hope that there's going to be no jet lag for them at all. Um, as always, though, we're here to preview the game. We have a podcast debutant in the ship of Ben from the Green and White podcast. I believe the time difference between Scotland and Plymouth is about five hours, Ben, but I hope you're all right. How are you doing? You okay? <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you. Hilariously, no one's going to see this, but for some reason, Ben has a filter on where his lips are bright purple. So throughout this, I feel like I'm speaking to, um, I don't know, a man with purple lips, but you can't see this. So this means nothing to anyone. I have turned the filter off, but for some reason, it's left my my mouth purple, like I've been uh, drinking vodka and a blackcurrant all night. So yeah, it's a bit odd. If I have a giggle throughout this, no one's going to know why, but... Now you all know, I suppose, in some way. Um, Not smile at all through the whole thing. <laughs> it's like the Joker. Um, <laughs> Plymouth Argyle, look, it's been a while since we last met in the playoff battle. Nil-nil, uh, I think it was on like an Easter Monday. Um, but we're meeting here back in the Championship. Obviously, we got promoted that year. Uh, you got promoted last year, but... You're competing fairly well, if not brilliantly. You currently sit 19th, four wins, four draws, but you have lost eight. But how's the, the first third of the season gone in, in your in your opinion? Um, yeah, I mean, picked up seven points out of the first five games. And I think everyone was really flying. Obviously, you've come off the back of promotion, beating the Ipswich team, who you, know, you have to admit in the second half of the season was, even if the results, we sort of matched them stride for stride. The football they were playing was excellent. So to finish above them, um, you know, and to keep winning, grinding out results was impressive. And there was a, obviously a ride in that wave all through the summer, great recruitment over the summer. So to then go out and get seven points from the first five games, there was a lot of confidence. Um, and then sort of like the, the middle third of the third, if you want to call it that, we've had some really tough results leading to the point where we had uh, midweek against Millwall, followed by a sat- at home and a Saturday at home against Swansea, where... I don't want to say they were bad performances, but we really should have got something out of both games. Millwall was the, the stereotypical smash and grab, battered them for the first half, defended pretty well. Um, we didn't really create too much. And then you know, they, they got two goals with their only two opportunities, really. One of which was was a foul, but by that point in the game, it was the game was pretty much over. Um, Swansea again, 3-1. Uh, Swans fans will probably say... We deserve to get something out of the game. Although, again, you've got to take your chances. So at that point, it was that was then the international break, not this one, just gone the previous. And the manager said that we've got to learn a few things about this league. And and one of those was that tactical fouls are a big, big deal. Um, I think the quality in this league is so much higher that the jeopardy involved in giving away chances is is, is too high, too high, too much to, to allow. Um, so literally the following game, after the, we were back against West Brom, seven yellow cards. I think five of those at least were for for technical fouls, breaking up play. But but it did the job, and I think that game, you know, I think we only had something like um, 0.35 expected goals, and West Brom was like 0.23. So it was just a case of right, we're going to stop the rot, we're going to stop conceding goals, we're going to stop allowing because the big issue was allowing balls through the, the way the way we play, leave the flanks open. Uh, with with the fullbacks pushing forward and Jordan Houghton, the the one hold if we play him with just the one hold in pivot, um, hasn't really got the legs. The sort of like Adam Randall has, who who often plays there with him, but has more license to go forward. So there's there's spaces everywhere basically. So the idea was look, we're not going to concede in transition. Um, 
Um, and for that game, even though we could probably could have got something from it on the day, it was just a case, I think, of from the management, look, we're just going to stop the rock, keep a clean sheet. And thereafter, even though, um, you know, we haven't got, we, we got the draw at West Brom, we won it with Wednesday coming down, which is sort of, you'd expect to win that. But then it was loss away to Ipswich, draw at home to Borough, loss away to Leeds. But are actually the open play XG we conceded in those games um, was pretty low. Was was much improved, even though we've you know if you say we conceded three against Borough, three against Ipswich, there's and, and two against uh, Leeds. You know there are quite a few extenuating circumstances in those games. So you know we're, we're doing really well offensively. There's been some problems at the back, and I think in the the last sort of five games since the last international break, tried to address some of that. Although there's some caveats involved, so. Yeah, I think most fans would take, given the size of the budget um, and being the first year up, anything above the relegation places will be success and we can build on that. So um, maybe some of that early season optimism has been tempered. But realistically, I don't think anyone can complain if we finish sort of 20th. You know, we're 19th now. I'd, I'd take 19th at the end of the season. My prediction was 17th, but that was kind of predicated on where I thought some of the other teams would be. Um, and some of them have done a lot better than I thought. Um, Birmingham went on a on a mad one recruiting, although they seem to be in free fall now. Um, Cardiff, Bullock came in and it's done incredibly well for them. I thought they might struggle this year. So, you know, around 19th, 20th, I'd, I'd happily take. Um, and, and as opposed to coming out of the last international break where we were, you know, having lost to Millwall and Swansea and thinking, oh, we can't survive playing like this, actually coming out of this one quite optimistic that we can start putting some results together, being a bit having a bit more nous, being a bit more switched on um and clever to the to the league. And and to be honest, a lot of the players have said in interviews and things that it's just so much more intense. You're running an extra mile or two a game. And of course it's the intensity of, of the run and it's still sprints. It's not just you're covering extra ground, but you still have to be um performing at, the, at your best at your peak. So I think, you know, like Finazar's been a brilliant player, sort of coming on loan from Villa again. Um, you know, he said he's only just sort of got to the physicality of the league, just sort of feeling like he's able to to, to compete all for the whole 90 minutes. Whereas last season, we were one of the fittest teams in League One and we were regularly getting late goals and, and running teams down at the end of the game. So, you know, th- there's a lot of, you know, I think the, the, the improvement in class and quality is, is quite stark a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, I think now after the first third of the season, most of our fans are realising where we are, accepting it. It makes sense, and the fact that we're competing down there uh, in the, sort of the, the bottom half, we know what we've got to do now for the rest of the season for the, t- the next two thirds. I wanted to ask you about the manager, obviously, because I remember um, when he got the job permanently. Ryan Law obviously went uh, to Preston, where he's he's had a degree of success, I suppose. But Preston seemed to be like perma ninth. Um, although they might change at this season, he started quite well. But Ryan Law was really highly rated. Uh, did a good job with Plymouth got the job in the championship and then you think right who they're going to bring in next and at the time you're in the playoffs and Stephen Schumacher comes in which was that move where sometimes it works and most of the time and I haven't got the stats for this but it feels like you bring in the assistant or the first team coach and it goes drastically wrong and it changes within eight months but he got into the uh he was almost in the playoffs the season we went up through the playoffs and I remember the last eight game of the season where at Morgan and because you got hammered so much off MK Dons no one was really worried because you were the ones that stayed out of it. MK Dons, I think it was 5-0 in uh, the game. And you think maybe Schumacher's not the right guy, but fantastic season last season. You've touched on Ipswich before and, and we've seen what how good of a side they are and the continuity they've had. 
you won the league ahead of them. You had a really good first full season. And as I said before, I feel like you're doing more than just competing in this league. And I do feel like you'll stay up. Stephen Schumacher has gone kind of under the radar, whereas, you know, maybe McKenna's getting spoken about because of where he's been at. But how good is Schumacher? And has it been a blessing in disguise that he got the job when Wijnaldum left? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if I hold my hands up and be honest, when he was appointed, you sort of think, I don't know if this is just a panic. This is just kind of not spiked to say, well, you're not taking your assistant with you. Um, but, you know, was it a, we see something in this guy, we'll give him a chance as often is. It's sort of like a pseudo caretaker role, isn't it? You know, they sort of know that they get a chance and um, if they do all right. But as you say, you sort of fail to get into the playoffs and then it's a uh, thanks, but, you know, we're looking elsewhere. But I do think that I get the impression that there might have been those discussions behind the scenes already. I, I, you know, I think Neil Dewsnip is a very, the director of football is a very canny operator, um, uh, you know, in all aspects of the game. Um, and I think that Shui buys into the way Dewsnip wants to to run the club, which is very much a data-driven system. It's not quite money ball, but it is very much sort of looking for uh, the right players to fill the holes that we've got so that, we're maximising what we're trying to do as a team. Um, and he he builds his philosophies around that. Obviously, he has his own, you know, his own input. It's not that he's a puppet to the director of football, but I think they all, the, the Argo, although got a very low budget, spend an awful lot of money on on their, their backroom staff, getting the, you know, re- excellent um, investment in fitment, fitness trainers and um, analysis, data, uh, et cetera. Um, so I think that, Shuey fits that bill. I think he's a very forward-thinking manager that way. And I think that none of us are expecting him to do as well as he did. Um, I think that it, the 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 director of football and those behind the scenes sort of recognise that about him. And there are there are times when, you know, the, the, the coaches are the brains behind the outfit. You know, you sort of think Jurgen Klopp's early career, a lot of that has been accredited to his um, assistants and and although they've not necessarily gone on to, to great things themselves, I think you, you know, there's a lot of people who prefer to work in that role, don't like to be the main man just to get on with their job, but are actually very, very capable. Um, the thing, the thing is, because he's only been in the, uh, it's his first job and he's only been in the job for a couple of years. Um, in many ways, he's learning on the spot. You know, he's got a great return from his two seasons, you know, just missing out on the playoffs and then going up with as champions. So, this is his first real run at adversity. And, and, and it's easy to say he's a great manager because he's been getting results. But I think there's a different, it's a completely different beast um, dealing with the the pressure of keeping a playoff run or a, a championship title run going as opposed to the pressures of relegation and coming up against much bigger names, much bigger spotlights, um, much you know brighter lights to be analysed under. So, um you know, we love him. We, to be honest, we think he's brilliant down here, um, and we're quite glad that he goes under the radar. Um, you know, you'd think he's been managing for ten years or more. You know, you think he's an established manager, but you forget sometimes in the way he conducts himself in the press conferences. And you know, he started to this season do what he did last season a lot, which was getting his, his mid-game tactics and and substitutions right. You know, really been able to to read and influence a game, which I think is a mark of someone who understands football, understands the game that they can it's, it, they can react in a moment. Um, so I think he's got everything to be a really top, top manager. And I think it is a lot to do with who the club are and the fact that he came up from an assistant, that kind of stigma that you were mentioning. 
um, that sort of keeps him below the radar with, of course, McKenna flying high, coming from United and uh, from Man United um, and and them, their consistency over the past or calendar year. Also, you know, when you've got someone you to compare to that also keeps someone under the, the radar, you know, if, if McKenna wasn't in the picture, would he be getting a more, you know, would he be the the, the darling of the media, etc.? I don't know, but we're quite happy. Like, like the club is we're always sort of flying under the radar and quite happy with that sort of underdog, no one paying us attention kind of attitude. And I think Shuey gets that as well. And he speaks to a lot of the the supporters groups and that that he goes and speaks to. And they all say that, you know, he gets us as a fan base. You know, I'm sure as Sunderland fans, you're very similar, that you're quite a unique set of circumstances in terms of your, you know, location. You've got a rivalry up there. You're a massive club. But, you know, and we've got that a very similar kind of um, um, attitude of wanting to, you know, to, to prove people wrong, to, to sort of prove who we are and people tend to, see us out of context um or, or have us in a pigeonhole in a certain way so Shuey gets that I think I think you know he didn't have the career he maybe wanted as a player he was you know a successful professional player but you know he's getting now the chance to manage in the, in a league he's never played in mm. and I think he's relishing that I think he relishes the fact that there's not so much pressure on him I think the board have sort of said to him you have as much time as you need you know I suspect if we went down he'd still keep his job and um, it would be part of a, of a building process to come back up establish ourselves etc so um, I think that helps him. Um, so I think he's he, he's we've been blessed to get him, and he's also been blessed to get the situation he's walked into with a board that will take his time, see the bigger picture. So yeah, he he's doing really well. Um, he's really sort of like learning on the job, and I think that the second half of the season we'll see a better team because of just just like I've discussed, you know, the um, adapting to the fitness levels, realizing the sort of the, the tactical fouls is one example, but lots of other different aspects of the game that need sort of adjustment. You know, he, he tried a different system this year because, um, you know, we went from the the three at the back. We, we're now playing mostly a four at the back, although we've reverted back to the three at the back. But that's clearly been a reaction to, well, what's our strengths? You know, we need to maximise our strengths rather than trying to, you know, play the opposition at their game. We need to do what we need to do. And that's been proved in the way, you know, I'm sure we'll come on to the strengths of our team, et cetera, in a bit. But, you know he's clearly adapted he's thought about the situation and 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 he's um you know he's got now so he's not he's not stuck in his ways he's you know been willing in the t- take a team that's done that's won the league with 101 points and completely sort of check mess with the formation and and even some of his star players positions to to try and maximize uh, what we're doing in, in in the league above so you know he's brave he's not he's not um stuck in his ways he's already learning and i think that the first third of this season would have been a brilliant learning experience for him is very steep learning curve and, and we'll start seeing the benefit of that in the the sort of the, the latter half of the season for sure. I think when you look at your, your form over that first third of the season, one thing that sticks out abundantly, and you'll note this yourself, but um far better at home than you are away. Beat Norwich six two, Blackburn three nil, Sheffield three nil, Huddersfield three one at the start of the season. But those results I mentioned first, the first three results have been a little bit more recent than maybe the first game of the season. But not only that, if you look at the goals scored at home, you're the second highest scoring team at home outside of, I think it's Leicester, um, which is massive, really, because you can score goals at home and now you can win games at home. But why are Plymouth stronger at home than they are away? I think some of that is the, um, you know, if you look at the last sort of away games we've played, um, they've been Leeds, Ipswich, West Brom, you know, three of the, the top teams. But um They've those performances, like I say, have been tr- transformed from the early season uh, results. I think at home, 
teams when teams come to us they're more willing to play a more defensive style um and more even the, even the big teams will um will respect the atmosphere and the and the you know the the reputation we have at home whereas of course the onus is on teams at home to to come at us we like to counter attack you know that we i think we're something like uh, we're in the top 3 for speed of transition um uh, from 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 defense to attack so you know we love to counter attack and one of the problems with that is with our system with the with the 433 is that when the full backs go forward our two our, or the one midfielder who tends to sit Houghton in the middle when we get caught when we get lost when we, when we lose the ball in attack especially if we because when you counter you're catching them out of position aren't you yeah and so your you know your tails are up you think and that you got your overloads etc but then when you lose when you've committed six people forward in transition you're out of position and they're out of position and all of a sudden we've got spaces at the back that are commonly exploited and i think if you look at a lot of the goals that we've conceded away um you think about preston so we've won the one of the goals we won the ball back in the in the corner but it's our winger it's, it's morgan whitaker he's in what part the wide right of the front three he's got the ball tries playing the ball forward the the fullback has gone forward to give him space to move into and to provide a pass an option the pass goes awry and then we're counted on you know morgan whitaker's then got to act as fullback and you know the centre backs expect him to cover across because there's a run of the far side uh, and stuff like that where we're being a bit naive in 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 our in our in our choices and in our, our our distribution maybe and that's where the whole like it's very simplistic to reduce it to tactical fouling but you know when when you're playing with that system uh, where sec- effectively you end up with t- two centre backs and the holding midfielder as your back line so sort of maybe a, a narrow back three in effect when you're attacking when you're countering it's very easy to exploit for in this league with teams you've got brilliant wide men um and and very expertly i don't know about but a lot of players will time their runs well you know they're they're, they're good at, at seeing where the where, where the space is keeping on the blind side of defenders in transition and arriving at the right time so we've just been too open at the back allowing too many when we when we've coughed up possession, whether it's in the middle third or in our own third, allowing then the the ball to be played into dangerous areas rather than just hacking a man down at the first opportunity and giving coughing up the set play, um, and that's that's our strength and our weakness. When you're committing that many men forward, you know we've got four of the top twenty um, most productive ball carriers in the league. Um, so we love to get the ball forward, run at defenders, and then you've got the two eight, two tens, or like Azaz, Kundal, or Randall, as it was until recently. You know, two of those then supporters. You've got five, maybe six men going forward constantly, but at least five, and 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 then the wing backs come up as well. So um, you, you really do isolate your your, your rear guard, and if you're going to do that, you need to be able to munch people in transition you need to be able to cut that off at least occasionally it's okay to say we're going to score more than you as a tactic but you you need to be able to to provide some resistance to allow cover to get back and we haven't been doing that in the early part of the season and that's you know demonstrated by the open play xg against us in those first few games which has been much better despite conceding uh the number of goals we have conceded in the last five games um a lot of those have been from individual errors or, you know, there's a penalty against Borough that although it was saved, got them put in. Um, so stuff like that, that's, that's contributing, but our actual open play uh, resistance at the back or resilience rather has been much improved. So I think that teams attack us away from home 
we like to counter and that exposes us too much we're up with the architects of our own downfall to, to answer the question you originally asked um and so now although we're not sort of taking the foot off the gas we still are countering away from home um there's that willingness or the awareness that if we need to we need to like pull a shirt you know uh, hack a man man down or, or or whatever it might be if we if we get caught out rather than letting them go because initially you get punished for those kind of you know for allowing men through that, that, that you get put away more often than not looking at the the players that are within your squad obviously there's a few ones that stick out but the main one that sticks out which people will be wondering when i'm going to come on to it is of course barley mumba um seen him make his debut at 16 i think look and it was a really dark time um for for someone but i think a lot of us in the early period of League One, thought he was going to be like the shining light, the player that could come through. You know, I think he played for England at under's levels and it, it never really happened. And there's the whole other podcast for maybe why he it didn't happen for someone, but but it didn't happen. And he left it, I think it's almost four years ago now. Didn't really get a look in here, if I'm honest with you. Went to Norwich, did all right, and then ended up on loan at Plymouth, where he really seems like he's found a home. Um he definitely appears to be no longer a midfielder, which is what he started coming through at Sunland as. Um, but can you fill us in a little bit on, you know, what Barley Mumbra is, what we're going to face and, and how he's thought about it at Plymouth? Because it seems that he's he's doing quite well. Yeah. Um, if if you'd have said that we'd be able to get him back in the summer, most fans wouldn't have thought it possible, especially for for what we ended up paying for him. I think around a million and probably when sort of clauses are hit slightly more. But, you know, a real bargain. He was, if you look at the different sort of like who scored.com or footmob or whatever you want to look at his, his, his ratings are, you know, the best in the team along with Mike Cooper, our, our goalkeeper um, for that season. Um, and he, he, I think because the rest of the team has been chipping in so much this year, he's been getting, I wouldn't say stick, but there's been some questions whether he could produce more, but in my eyes, he, he's one of the best players in the team every week. His movement is incredible. Um, and what he what he does on the, the the far left of the front three allows those two tens to operate in the space. It gives space for the players who you know the the guys that are chipping in now. Luke Cundall on, on loan from Wolves at twenty one, I think, um, young lad. He's, he's really he wasn't playing beginning of the season, but he's playing well now. And, and Finn is as I think um, he's got three goals, three assists. I don't know what Cundall's got something similar. You know, Mumba's got two goals, two assists. Um, and so people are saying, you know, maybe he could be doing a bit better, but he's on he's on par for what he did last season. I think last year he got six goals, seven assists. Now that was from fullback, but effectively it was fullback, but winger. You know, he wasn't really asked to do too much defensively. Um, so um, he he allows the rest of the team to function. You know, he and Morgan Whitaker stretch the t- the the fullbacks, pin the full uh, fullbacks or the um, the the, the 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 wing backs even if depending if you're if we're playing against the back five they really give space for our, the number tens to the two tens to operate but also for for Houghton in the middle of the park he's been a real revelation this season as a kind of single pivot to ping the ball between the lines we do sort of like to play one touch from the from either from the the, the full back or from the one of the centre backs going wide into Houghton and then he'll put a ball through for someone in the middle we can keep hold of the ball it's not like you know if we don't transition quickly we we lose the ball but but Barley Mumba's brilliant at, at creating the space he scares people the number of times we've got you know Twitter from opposing fans saying um you know he's the best 
you know, is the threat that we were worried about all afternoon. He was tormenting us down the left-hand side. Um, and the other thing he does really well is cancel in the press. Because uh, he's got he's so good with the ball at his feet that if he's coming back and covering his fullback, um, or even covering his winger, the he he can he can stand his man up, slow him up, stand him up, and then the press dies because everybody has to back off because his man's not going to get the better. And if 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 the press carries on, he'll skin his man and and he's away. So so when he's very effective for us at um getting attacks going he's got the the the, the largest the longest distance of average carry in the team even though his progression isn't isn't the highest and that's because he'll get the ball and he'll sort of stand his man up he'll, he'll sell him a couple of lollipops he'll come inside and that's cancelled the press they've dropped back and then we can start building the attack so he's in fact incredibly uh effective is a almost like an attack is is the best form of defense kind of uh role and and he does tend to do more defensively quite a bit more defensively than our other forward players other than you know maybe maybe as as and Kundal do you know muck in more uh, from the wings um when they have to but certainly i think i'd suggest more than morgan whitaker um although morgan whitaker is you know he's he is the kind of the the crown jewel in the attacking um setup at the minute um but yeah, he he really is a bit of a Swiss Army knife, and he, like I say, he's on he's on course to to replicate his um his attacking output from last season there or thereabouts. So you know, I, I don't understand any qualms about his performances. He's um like I say, he's in the top twenty in the league. You know, if I read you the top twenty for um creative chances or, or carries leading to creative chances, there uh, Steffi Mavadidi, Morgan Whitaker, who's obviously Argyle player. Your Jack Clark, Somerville, Chair, Philogene, Delap, Dan James, Ruter, Johnny Rowe, Gabrielle Sara, Wes Burns, Barley Mumba, Ellis Sims, Finnazaz, Sammy Schmodix, Isaiah Jones, Josh Garoma, and then Ryan Hardy. So we've got four of those, but he's up there in some exalted company. You know, you talk, you know, so for anybody who sort of thinks he's not a threat or he's not doing much this season. Just you know, look at those numbers. He 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 drags people everywhere. And it's his work off the ball. The team's really good. They've they've developed really good understandings, the front three and five, as it is now. Um, you know, Finnazaz scored a, a cracking goal against Borough, but it's a little flick from Barley Mumba, a little back heel flick. And then he runs and takes two men with him. And just as as a third defender is going to step out. Morgan Whitaker comes. Morgan Whitaker makes a run round behind him just to stand the man still, and it gives room for for Azaz to to whip. Obviously, he still has to hit the hit the shot, but that that's the sort of work that sometimes going. You're not going to get an assist for that, um, but his work off the ball just terrifies defenders and makes space for uh, those midfielders with the you know other the other creative players in the team to to do their thing. And if, and if people let him go, then there's a little through ball that he can put away, which again a goal against Borough um, just the other day exemplifies he got got a goal his lovely team move and, and someone let him go move towards the ball ball between the lines you know between the defenders and he's in and taps it in the corner which you know people are paying I think part of the reason he's not had the output he's the uh, uh, same as uh, people are expecting maybe as soon as he's moved further up the pitch is because people are giving him so much respect you know there's times where he's doubled up on um, and in this league you know you're not just going to dance past two quality defenders but that gives as I say that gives room for the rest of the team to produce and we've got you know really good production now out of our, our two number 10. So um, he's doing excellently for the team, even if he hasn't got the the you know, statistical returns, you know, his ratings still, if you want, if you look at the the metrics, you know, still, he's still top three, top three, four player in the team every week. 
So, um, you know, he's he's doing really well for us. Can't believe we got him. And when we got him and Whitaker back um, on permanence, what we got, there's no one, no one would have dreamed that was possible. Um, and yes, we had them last season, but they are effectively new signings. Mm-hmm. Um, and without them, I don't think we'd be looking half as as optimistic or as or as effective as we are. You know that he's been an absolutely key component of us being able to do what we do. One player that is definitely not going to play on Saturday. I'd be very surprised if he did, but it's probably worth mentioning as as Jay Matete. Obviously, he got injured in preseason for us, so he's he's not really featured. I think he's closing in on a return, but. He was a player who made it two promotions from two, obviously with us through the playoffs and then you winning the league. Um, I felt like Bali Mamba got a lot of plaudits. Obviously, when you look at these numbers, that's understandable. But but how did Jay do down at Plymouth? Excellently. I mean, I think he sort of he liked to put himself about and we could do with a bit of that. Like I was just saying, we could he would he would fit right in. I mean, I don't know if he's got the same brain as Houghton. Um, but and we didn't necessarily think Houghton had until this season. We sort of see what he's doing. And so, you know, if 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 when he comes back, he's not if he's surplus to requirements, then you know, send him our way. It's not a, a but yeah, he I think, you know, I can't remember his disciplinary record off the top of my head, but he was sort of quite, you know, every time he got his customary yellow sort of every every time he played. But that's that's what you need, I think, sometimes when um when you're trying to be expansive, and we're doing that even more this year, really, than than we were last, ironically. So, you know, I think everybody was pleased with with Matete. Um, and I think he's definitely got qualities that we could use in the squad right now um, as, as an option, at least. Um, but yeah, he's he's highly thought of down here. Um, and, you know, I think everybody would would welcome him back into the squad if he if he was available on a on a loan or even on a on a permanent. I think that um, he'd actually be I mean, you've got you've already got a great midfielder sort of sitting in front of the back four right now. Um, which he'd have to try and displace. So, I mean, yes, he's a great squad option, but um, you know, I don't know if if you know you will be looking at him um, permanently. I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but um, yeah, he's a he's he, <laughs> you've got a team full of athletes. I look at your team. I mean, I've, two games I've watched you guys play. Um, one was Wednesday, which you can't really tell much from, except they look like the year 10s playing against the year sevens or something. And Jack Clark was just you know, <laughs> a training session. And then the other, the other game was the one the other day, I watched the first hour against Birmingham. Was it Birmingham? And yeah. like the first 20 minutes, I was just like, you guys, are, if, if you said like, give me the prototypical footballer, you know, everyone's sort of like five, 10, five, 11 fast, good, close control. This, your team is, you've got a few outliers, you know, um, obviously, you know, some lads who are bigger, but, some who are sort of slightly, you know, was it Roberts out on the, on the on the wing? He's slightly smaller and tricky or whatever. But generally, you've just got a team of athletes. So I don't think you'd, you know, you you'd have other players. I think it would fit in there. So I don't know if he he's got a future with you guys or not. I'm sure he will hope so because I think, you know, that's a great team to be playing in for a you know a very good manager and a, and a great club. Um, but um, yeah, if he's if he's he's not going to be short of suitors, I don't think. Um, if it was to go away, he's he's a lot more. Than just a destroyer, I think. But you know that was he was great at that for us. He, he's not afraid of the dirty work, and you know I think we could do with with a bit of that right now. The funny one was Mateo. I'm not really sure where he fits in with. It, I kind of forget what he's like. It's been that long since he's played for us. I think he would have probably featured a bit more this season, but um, injury in preseason, and he, he's been out since. I suppose. Um, I'm, you've kind of answered it in a way, but 
I guess, with all due respect, Sunderland's ambitions because of how we performed last season and because of where we are in the league at this season is to make it beyond the championship. So we're looking at high-end championship midfielders. Do you think Matete has what it takes to be a top six championship midfielder? Or do you, from, from what you've seen of him, would you see him more as someone who can fit into the championship but maybe not at the higher end? Yeah, probably. But then... You know, you never know with a lot of players until you you try. I mean, players develop, you know, and some players suit systems. You know, some players are excellent in certain roles and not necessarily um, as flexible as, as others. You know, some players will give you a 7 out of 10 performance, whatever team you put them in. And some teams, you know, they need to play, some players rather need to play in a team that plays a certain way. So, um, honestly, he probably has the potential, but... You'd have to, you'd have to play him and and develop him. I think to to reach it. And and it's you know like anybody with potential. You know we see so many wonder kids go by the the wayside. Don't we? Who's the next this and the next that? Um. So you know he's 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 at a stage of his career. I think where he needs to be playing and it needs to be you know um. Uh, not developing, but he needs it. it you can't invest too much more in him. You need to be getting performances out of him. So I think it'd be a case of, is he going to fit in now and, and and perform for Sunderland? If not, then, you know, he's probably surplus to requirements, but I wouldn't be able to, you know, your guess is as good as mine as to whether he, you know, he, he would do that. I think I don't see anybody in your team on thinking, Oh, he's going to get in there ahead of him or, or in that position. So in that sense, no, you know, I think you guys are looking at, I mean, I had you pegged for sort of top six at the start of the season. I don't know what you thought you were aiming for or, or, or what your hopes are, what your aims are now at this point, whether that's changed or not, but I still think you've got, you know, a very good shot at top six. Um, so does he fit into a top six team? As in, does he walk back in when he's fit? Probably not, but then I don't know what's gone on. How has he developed? What's, you know, what's he been picking up? How has he been adapting to, because, you know, you play a different system to us. So what's he done in, in the back, you know, when he sits in and training, is he, is he demonstrating he's understanding what's asked of him by the manager? He might fit your system a lot better than than ours. He's got that athletic ability that suits your style of play. Uh, you know, he can pass, he can tackle. He's that all all round athlete that that suits your your selection at the minute. So, you know, your guess is good as mine. He, he certainly could do, but... You know, you've got a lot. He's got a lot of decent players to displace if he's going to. Last but not least, because we have about a minute left here, because I don't pay for the Zoom upgrade yet, as always, because I'm times are tough. Um, <laughs> prediction, Ben. Before I let you go, oh, I'm gonna say two all, two all. Do you know what? That's weird. I'm actually going to stick with you on that. I'm also going to say two all. I would hope for more, obviously, but. Looking at the home form, looking at the goals you've scored, yeah, 2-2 two, two seems about right, but hopefully more for us. I hope you have a horrible weekend, Ben, as always. Um, <laughs> but thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Yeah, sorry I waffled on quite a bit. That's my tendency, but cheers for I having liked me. It. Myself. I liked it. And if someone didn't, that's just tough. <laughs> Take it easy, mate. You too.